You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Touchlines and Touchdowns podcast. I'm your host, Asa Smith. You are listening to the world's first and therefore greatest football football mashup podcast. Uh, we've got a great show for you tonight. We talk about the Europa League. We talk about the U.S. men's national team. We talk about American football and why the Rams uh, probably aren't going to have a great defense again next year. Um, this week's episode is brought to you by the Smith Workforce Management Group. Uh, for all your small business employment law and HR needs, visit smithworkforce.com. So let's get right into it with our first guest, longtime listener, first-time caller. That's not true. He's always on the pod, Greg Saradarian. Greg, do I got you? You sure do. How's it going, Coach? Uh it's going pretty well today, Coach. You know, I got to watch uh, not Man United win a trophy, so that's always good. Always good. So we're just, we're just gonna come right out, right out with the Manchester United hatred. Uh, I don't hate them as much as I hate some other clubs, but you know, they make it so easy that it's uh, you know sometimes it's hard to just hold back. Yeah, I mean, but like of the clubs that I think that the, those on this podcast hate, I mean. Man United are in are in serious competitions. It's not like like you can only hate Arsenal so much when they don't play in Europe, right? No, I still manage to hate Arsenal quite a bit, uh, even with a lack of Europe showing. Okay, so so it's it's well established that that, that Arsenal is trash. But let's talk about um, position players pitching because I think that's what we we saw today. <laughs> Again, an excellent, an excellent analogy. Uh, yeah, that um, it, it it's certainly impressive to score ten goals in a shootout and not win a game. Uh, so congratulations to Man United for going one short of what they needed to. I mean, the the funniest joke here is that it's like Man United needed 
11 penalty shots to even be in the game at the end. Uh, yeah, that's kind of an unreal sequence. Um, I mean, we talked about this last week. I still kind of think penalty sh- sh- shots are dumb in general. But if you go all the way until the keepers are shooting, I, I, I'm more on board with that. So I, I think that, that really what we learned today is actually penalty shots are great. It's just that only the three goalies on the roster should be taking them. Yeah, I'm 100% on that. And, and like, like you, you can imagine some like crazy, crazy uh, manager would have like their third goalie be, be some striker, but then two goalies get hurt and you, you end up with Daryl DK in goal. No, I mean, if you're going to do that, then the, the play isn't to have like Daryl DK or somebody who's like useful. You get, instead of having MLS be the retirement league, you just have somebody like uh, Sergio Aguero, instead of going over to play for Inter Miami in two years, he is now the third goalie for Barcelona. So if anything goes wrong, like if we ever have to have any penalty kicks, uh, Sergio, you're up, buddy. Uh, I think to be fair, to be fair, uh, Sergio Aguero is getting paid by uh, Barcelona next year because Barcelona looked at Luis Suarez, said you're too old, and then watched him win a La Liga title. Yeah, and then signed somebody who I believe is uh, he's pretty close in age, isn't he? Yeah, I think they're like more or less they're they're of the same generation, if not the same age. Uh, Aguero is a couple years younger, but it's not like it's not that different, right? And it's his wife. His wife is Gian Giannina Maradona. Is that the off to the Googles? Off to the Googles. Sergio Aguero, uh, Mary. Yep, it is. It was, her, it was his youngest daughter. Awesome. So basically, what I'm hearing is Deli Alley is simply the next generation's uh, Sergio Aguero. Yes. Also, they have a son named, or they, yes, they have a son named Benjamin uh, because there is <laughs> accent marks in this. Uh, so there is Maradona's bloodline and Aguero's bloodline has coalesced into Benjamin Aguero, which I'm sure that's not his entire name because Argent- Argentina. Yeah, but that's, all I, that's all I'm going to look up because this child is like 10 years old and we, we're really, really threading some lines here. Yeah, we don't we don't bully those who have not made it to high, out of high school yet. That is, that is podcast rule. We wait until people are in college to bully them. Uh, so, Benjamin, uh, we look forward to you. Let's be honest, you're not going to college. You are going straight, straight to the Paris Saint-Germain Academy. Or, I guess, Barcelona. I'm not really sure where they live. I, I, I feel like I would live in Paris. And play for Barcelona? I mean, it's not that far. It's like, it's like the Bayside Mall. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> God damn it, <laughs> that's good. Um, so so we were also uh, a podcast favorite. Edison Cavani got got a goal today because we must be undermined at all times. No, he owes us some of that contract. I feel like he's only doing this to prove us as incorrect as we could possibly be. So I think that that it's it's clear that Edison Cavani listens to the podcast, right? We've known that all along. Long time listener. Long time listener, Edison Cavani. How you doing? If you uh, 
if you ever want to come on, we unfortunately don't have time for you, but uh, we, we appreciate you as a listener. But if you would also like to uh, send us red wine recommendations, uh, you can send them to our Twitter account, which is at TLS underscore N underscore TDS. To be clear, anybody is allowed to send us red wine recommendations, uh, but I'm just really interested to hear what specifically Edison drinks, let's just say mid-game. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely got like a Ron Artest vibe to him uh, vis-a-vis drinking mid-game. Although uh, Ron Artest was drinking cognac, I believe. That he was doing, I believe at halftime, was taking shots at cognac and then texting. <laughs> As you do. Um, so anyway, so, so we, we've gotten a lot of the way in here uh, without telling those of our fans who don't pay attention to the second most important league in European qualification. But uh, Villarreal uh, beats Manchester United uh, 11 to 10 on penalties. It was 1-1 uh, after, after overtime which is what we're going to call it. Uh, and, and then uh, they went through the entire lineups until they got to the keepers and David De Gea, who has not saved a penalty since 2016. That's right. Not saved a penalty since before Donald Trump was elected. Think about That's that. bad. We went an entire Donald Trump uh, without David De Gea saving a penalty. Uh, he's, 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 according to, I, I think it was Roger Sherman on Twitter, pointed out... <laughs> Okay. Uh, I knocked on wood that we don't, that we actually are done with Donald Trump, and I forgot that I have like eight dogs here, so that was a mistake on my part. Yeah, yeah, we learn a lesson. We learn a lesson. We move forward. But um, but anyway, so David Roger Sherman on Twitter pointed out that David De Gea oh for the, his last thirty six, and also uh, missed his penalty shot. So there were twenty two people who took penalty shots, uh, and he was the only one who missed it to lose the game. Which, yep. which is phenomenal. Uh, but it also means he led in 11 and then missed his own. So technically he was 0 for 12 on that entire scenario. Correct. Correct. Uh, that's also insane that it's been since 2016 because De Gea, I mean, he's not, he's still world-class, but he's not like as good as he once was, but he's still, he's been world-class that entire time. He's like considered everything from like a top five goalie to all the way down. Like he maybe was he like tw- top 25 in the world right now, but he's still incredibly good keeper. Yeah. I think, I think that um, prior to the COVID break, if you had asked someone, you know, name me the top 10 keepers in the world, you know, the first three answers I think are, are Ter Sturgeon, um, Kurtat, Kurtat, whatever, the guy from, from Madrid and, um, and Neuer. But then like beyond that, like David De Gea is absolutely in a conversation. And then I, I think since he got back, since the COVID break ended um, in the summer of last year, he's just been trash, dude. He's just not been good. Did we? Uh, did he ever have a confirmed case of COVID? Maybe that might explain it. Uh, I mean, I don't know, but I, I don't know how that makes you suck as bad as as he did today. Like even I think I think if you just do- dove right every single time, you would have stopped one of them. I I mean, for the uh, Villarreal goalie, he, he was right. He dove left. He got. I think he got a hand on the ball. He just not a strong yeah. enough hand. Yeah. Well, he's actually he's their backup, so he's he's not their starting <laughs> keeper. Um, Un, Unai Emery, their their manager, who's who's won like four Europa leagues, 
uh, he just rode his cup goalie, and he's like, "Nah, screw it. I'm just he's he's been the guy, so he's the guy." I mean, that's definitely an NHL uh, mindset, and I believe you're right. I believe he has won four. This is his fourth because he won he won three in a row earlier in the 2010s. Yeah, with uh, with Sevilla. Correct. Uh, yeah, and then he got to uh, again. We get to say in a roundabout way, "Fuck Arsenal." Uh, Arsenal <laughs> let him go in November for a series of uh, poor results, and then he goes and wins Europa, which Arsenal has not made in... They were in it this year, but it's fine. Damn it! <laughs> um, so, so I don't just... start watching till knockout round, so that didn't count. Nah, that's fine. Um, so that that was sort of the, the, the event of, of midweek. Um, at the end of the week, we have Champions League, which I suppose we'll preview with the following sentence. We care to the extent that Christian Pulisic plays. If he doesn't, it, it, it makes us upset. Is that, is that about fair? Yeah, I mean, not to the same level because I obviously want Pulisic to uh, play and do well and showcase his talent and the American talent on the same stage. But, I mean, even if he doesn't win – Zach Steffen gets a trophy. He didn't do that much, but his name gets to go down the record books. And um, I mean, even though he's the coach of coach of Manchester or the manager of Manchester United, God, Manchester city, uh, I've got a soft spot for Pep. And I think it'd be kind of nice to see him uh, get a champions league. Uh, Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's certainly one of the greatest coaches of ever, Uh, and his daughter has impeccable taste in, in men. Um, but I'm, I'm not letting that go. But uh, I think, I think like, you know, watching that game, I, I don't have any deep desire for either team to win because I don't particularly care for Man City or Chelsea. I guess I like Chelsea more, but they're like London rivals of Spurs. So I don't know, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch all 90 plus minutes, however, however much ends up happening. Um, and I, I hope cap starts, but I think, I think really it'll, it'll be interesting because I think, um, Pep, Pep has so much going (laughs) One of those dunks sounds pretty yappy. Uh, yeah, I didn't even do anything that time. (laughs) Um, Uh, but I think, I think Tuchel is, is such a good defensive coach he's like he's doing what what everybody thought jose Mourinho should be doing like he's just shutting people down and i think there's a that'll be super interesting tactically well especially yeah with the high-flying manchester city attack that's gonna be uh i mean it's kind of like a a brick wall meeting a wrecking ball which one's gonna get first um probably the wrecking ball uh only because in this scenario the brick wall is relying on timo Werner. <laughs> like uh, there's only so much you can do um yeah but he's just he's just a weak brick at the top of the wall so it's, yeah but i mean like that. that's the thing it's like if one of your bricks comes out well i guess jenga rules yeah it could work yeah um so but but now i wanted to get to the sort of the uh the big news of, of earlier this week and the thing that we're sort of getting hyped for uh, coming into this weekend. Um, well, not this weekend, this weekend we have Switzerland in that friendly, but, but really in the, the nation's league, which is the first time we get, you know, consequential U S men's national team um, soccer since I guess the 2019 gold cup. Is that right? 
Sounds uh, right. that's yeah. I mean, that's the most consequential I can think of. Yes. Yeah, so, so um, you know, going through the the, I, I don't think we need to go through the roster line by line. Uh, everybody you think is going to be on here is on here, other than those who are out for injury. So, the headlines there are that uh, Chris Richards and Aaron Long, who are who are both potential starting center backs, are both yep. out with injury. Um, Aaron Long is out for months. I think yeah, he tore his ACL. Yeah. And Chris Richards, something happened. Nobody's been really certain what's going on with him. Um, but I think that, you know, Burt Halter probably looked at the situation and was like, you know what? We'll, we'll play you with the, with the kids in the gold cup. You know, don't worry about it. Yeah. I mean, uh, it also comes back to like in, it is 2020, 2021. Uh, if you've been out for a while with an undisclosed reason, uh, usually turns out to be something COVID related. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that's that's fair. So I, I don't want to speculate what's going on with him. You know, hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully he's he's back in form soon. But um, going through the the list, I, I guess the 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 big questions are, you know, were you? I mean, the biggest surprise for me just to see on the list uh, for the Nations League was was David Ochoa, who is who is my favorite goalie in in the system. Is he the third goalie here? Yes. Is he ever going to play in a consequential men's national team game again? I don't know, but he's great. We love him. Uh, well, if you know FIFA and World Soccer would take our idea to make the goalies beat the uh, <laughs> place kickers every time, then yeah, he's going to see some. He's going to see some time. <laughs> um, is there anybody who 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 you thought like looking at this lineup, looking at this roster, like? You know, why, why is this person here and not this other person? No, um, but just that's just because of the, uh, the link you shared earlier about Burholder talking about his philosophy. So I really think that um, we probably should have watched that earlier because that kind of informs basically one of our major criticisms of him over the past couple of years, which that was that he kind of seems to be choosing guys you know, willy nilly, and there doesn't really seem to be a rhyme or reason to it. We're just trying to see what sticks. You know what link I'm talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. So if you uh, if you follow us on Twitter, I, I shared it earlier t- uh, on May 26th, um, and it, and Greg Berhalter was talking about how he's playing somewhat of a of a different system than a lot of kids or a lot of players have really ever seen. Which is a, it's a lot about positioning. It's a lot about cutting off lanes um, right. to use basketball terminology. Um, so it's not something that, that people are super used to. So it takes some time and you want to make sure that you have a good mix of people who know how to do it. Uh, and people who, who are sort of come to it a little bit, a little bit more fresh. Right. And that's, and that's what I'm getting at is like, that's in that vein, that philosophy makes sense because the, so it, it's something, the system is something that like Barcelona, uh, you know, adheres to pretty strictly as well. So, uh, I mean, Dest and Conrad might have a pretty good idea of what's going on here. Um, but otherwise it is, yeah, he, he explained that the idea is to have a mixture of people who know what they're doing and a mixture of people that don't know what they're doing. And the people that know what they're doing are supposed to basically be the on-field coaches and they're supposed to coach up uh, their teammates that might not necessarily be in the right position. So that way he kind of just, I mean, almost like a herd mentality or a herd immunity type of thing. Like if you get enough people who know the system, eventually everybody's going to be safe. Right. So I, I think like looking through it, the, that sort of explains two of the biggest question marks for me. 
So the first, the first question mark is not one that like upsets me. I'm not upset about any of these players because everybody who, who needs to be here is here um, outside of the injuries. Um, but Jordan Saibichu, who we love, yep. uh, who, who's on, who's, who, who plays in Switzerland and, and scored a goal seemingly every time he was on the field. Um, or assist. Or assist. Um, he was chosen ahead of Daryl DK. Um, to be fair, Daryl DK is with the squad. So if anybody gets hurt, DK is the next guy up. Um, but I think that's the, the, the one where you're like, uh, you know, I don't know. DK gives you something that, that Sergeant doesn't, whereas Saibachu is a little bit closer to a, a like for like for Sergeant. Um, but I think, I think it gives you like sort of that sense, like, okay, you know, Saibachu, he's been in two camps. He just committed to America. So if he's going to be part of World Cup qualifying, he needs to get in these games. He needs to get in these practices. Right. Um, whereas DK, you know, DK is a little bit uh, system proof. You know, what he's going to do doesn't really rely on the system. It relies on him being stronger and bigger than everybody who tries to defend him. Um, whereas, you know, Saibichu is, is going to have to do a, some things a little bit more creatively. Um, the other one, which is like absolutely straight up makes sense given what what Berhalter said today is Kellen Acosta who you know he's 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 probably the closest we have uh for a Tyler Adams backup you know who does something similar Tyler Adams does it at a way higher level yeah but but Acosta you know like Acosta can be that that six who's fast who can cover ground for slower center backs or or attacking fullbacks which is what we have um so it, it makes sense that Acosta would be there because Burhalter trusts him. Whereas someone like, you know, Luca Della Torre or Julian Green, uh, both of whom I, I think are better players than Acosta, definitely Della Torre, who's, who's younger, playing in a better, better league. Uh, he plays for Heracles in the Eredivisie in the Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I like, I, I had to, I had, I had to remember that you can't call it Holland anymore. It's like a Burma Myanmar situation. I actually um, did not know that. I thought that was just <laughs> no. Uh, so it turns out, uh, turns out Holland is a state of the Netherlands. Oh, all yeah. Right. Well, we yeah, have an so, alarmingly amount of like geopolitical history that goes on during these conversations. It's important, but anyways, the point is, is that Luca Della Torre um, is like absolutely my favorite option, or pro- one of my two favorite options for that that other midfielder. So you have Musa and McKenny. And Legit are all in pen guys who come to every single consequential um, camp, but that fourth guy, and you know they've they've there's a lot of options, but I, I like Delatore a lot. But Acosta makes sense because he can do the things that Burhalter wants him to do, and Burhalter doesn't have to explain it. Um, and there's there's a certain amount of institutional knowledge there and institutional information that I think I think makes a lot of sense. So I don't think there's any reason to be like mad online about Kellen Acosta being here. No. Yeah. In, in the context of what Berholter said, and I think that clip was actually kind of old, even though if we just, we both just saw it uh, recently, but in that context, that definitely makes sense. Like Berholter trusts Acosta at, at this point. I, fe- I feel like Acosta's had enough experience with Berholter that, um, you know, he, he knows what he's going to be. He knows what he's supposed to be doing. If, if he can't necessarily do it better than, some of his teammates, he, he knows what he's supposed to be doing. And then I think you actually made a really good point about DK versus uh, Simichu um, in terms of DK is kind of system proof in, in the way that he plays. Like he plays as a big guy who's just going to 
put his big butt in front of the net and just blast balls through the back of the back of the twine. Um, whereas Sivachu kind of depends more on his creativity and is kind of more, I don't want to say more of a thinking player because that, that's doesn't, that does a disservice to Sivachu, but, or, um, to DK. I, I just like, want to go there's, on. There's more of a, there's more of a creative aspect to his game than there is to, uh, DK's. And also, um, I don't know, this is just spitballing. I don't have any basis for this whatsoever, but, uh, Sivachu, I believe the young, the young boys made, uh. What was it Europa qualifiers? Uh, Champions League qualifiers. Champions League. That damn, I almost said that too. Um, yeah. So I, maybe Berhalter's kind of gambling on Sivachu getting more uh, experience, like playing against better competition, whereas because he's gonna be playing against you know Champion League uh, type teams. Although DK will be playing against EPL teams week in week in and win out. So I guess it's kind of a uh, you know, it's kind of a toss-up as to which one's going to be a stronger, stronger strength of schedule. But if you know, if C Bichu, if young boys A make a run and B uh, have very poor luck, they could end up seeing some of the like consistently just the best teams in Europe over and over and over again. Whereas uh, you know, Barnsley is definitely going to see a Manchester City or uh, a... they, they they did not make promotion, so uh, DK is not staying with Barnsley. I don't think. Okay, well then this theory. All right, then I'm going all in on this. This theory makes sense. Yeah, um, no, 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 I I think it makes sense, and it also um, it also makes sense from a from a timing perspective because Sibachu is going to have to be back playing in consequential games in early August, and the Gold Cup is it ends I think August second. So just from a timing perspective, it makes sense to have Sibichu as the backup striker here and have DK as the starting striker over the summer so that Sibichu can get, you know, six weeks off and DK, you know, DK is going to get that time off after the Gold Cup. Um, we don't know where DK is going. There's a, there's a general sentiment that he's not an MLS player anymore. Um, Orlando are, are going to sell him. Um, also, just in terms of... Uh, intelligence i i do believe that daryl dk is currently getting a finance degree uh in his spare time because he's uh like some manner of genius yeah no that's true he was he takes he takes online courses through like the university of london economics department or something because uh britain went on a stricter lockdown than we did and he literally ran out of things to do so he started for fun uh getting a finance degree online uh, so that's right, ladies and gentlemen, your kids are not going to be as accomplished as Daryl DK. Um, but I think, I think that's, that's good. I, uh, so, okay. So just be- before we, uh, we sign off here, what's your prediction for the weekend? What, what are we, what are we thinking for, uh, Chelsea v Man City? I think Man City comes out on top. I'm going to say 2-1. Uh, all right. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Chelsea Chelsea two one, but they get that goal in extra time. So extra time, not stoppage time. Whatever. <laughs> like the the hundredth minute is what I'm gonna say. Yeah. Okay. That's that's yeah. extra time. Yeah. Extra time, not stoppage time. Um, okay. All right. Um, uh, thanks. Well, I was just say I was gonna say I'm calling the one goal that Chelsea gets is going to be a uh, Pulisic assist, and because you know whatever we speak into existence, the opposite happens. Uh, Timo Werner is going to score the lone goal. And it's going to be beautiful. Like, it's going to be like on a volley. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like a like a, a very a nice uh, deep ball, sort of not really a cross, but like a nice deep ball that Werner catches up to and just manages to knock out of the air directly into like I'm imagining him on the left side of the net and knocking into the uh, top right portion of the of the twine. So that and that's exclusively because it is official podcast uh, policy to remind you that Timo Werner, big fan of absinthe, big fan. Yes. Uh, and if I was correct about how the method in which Timo Werner scores and he is the lone goal, uh, you owe me a bottle of absinthe. Deal. All right. Uh, thanks, coach. And we will we'll see you after these games and after the uh, Switzerland game. Yeah. See you on the other side of the Champions League. All right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How you doing, Coach? I'm doing great today, Coach. Do you know why I'm doing great? Tell me. Because I get to make podcasts with my friends using the Anchor app. It, and, well, you know, I, I get why that makes you happy, but certainly you have to pay for the Anchor app. You know, you'd be surprised to find out? Completely free. Completely free. But they say nothing is free. Well, apparently podcasting with your friends can be through the Anchor app. Wow. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sure that it's like you got to have some like super complicated studio or editing software, right? You know, I can't say that confidently, but since you're the one that edits all of our podcasts, I'm fairly confident any moron can do it. Well, you know, any any moron can do it because, again, I do it. Now, that doesn't mean that you can edit well. You can. I can. I don't really know how to edit. But you can do it through the Anchor app. It supposedly makes it easy. You're just not that good at it. It's all right. And we, when we say you, we mean the royal you, listener. Not just you, Asa. Uh, or but, you, Greg. Right. Uh, and not just you, Greg, you, Greg, but you, Greg, Greg Burrell. Who, who I assume listens. Does, do, do we have confirmation that Greg Burrell listens to the podcast? We have confirmation that a Greg listens to the podcast. Why do we need a second one? I mean, you certainly don't need an extra G. No, that's just, that's incredibly wrong. Um, But, you know, people listen to our our podcast and they they listen to it all over the place. So does that happen by magic? It it might. I don't know how we got a Czech Republic listener. (laughs) Well, I think it's because the Anchor app distributes via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It does. It's very easy to find. I've been able to find it on at least two of those services. And, you know, isn't that what the whole point is? Spotify, Apple, Google. Our what more do you need than those three? Right, our tech overlords have made it clear that that's what you need. So that's what you need. What, what do you want? Um, so here's, here's probably the biggest question. Um, it is well established that you get pray, paid in breakfast tacos. Yes. Um, but if somebody wanted to be paid in perhaps fiat currency, such as dollars or pesos... Could they do that through the Anchor app? I don't personally understand why they would choose to do that. 
But yes, the Anchor app is willing to pay you in fiat currency instead of breakfast tacos, if you are so inclined. We're, we're, we're just saying that if you wanted to trade your podcasting voice for fiat currency that would then be used to buy breakfast tacos, you could do that. That's your choice. Your uh, ideas intrigue me, and I would like to sub- subscribe to your podcast. And I can do so using Google, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Just go to Touchlines and Touchdowns and click that little foul button, and you'll hear from us twice a week, every week. Every week. Um, so it sounds like this podcast, which is very professionally done, is all done in one place through the Anchor app. It sure is, which makes bridging our four different time zones a hell of a lot easier. Sure does. So, do you want to do you want to do, do the call to action, or do you want me to do the call to action? Be my guest. <laughs> this is a professional podcast. So, dear for listeners and friends, download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor.fm to get started. Uh, do not put anchorfm slash TLS underscore N underscore TDS um, because we don't get anything from it. So just go straight to anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app so you too can trade fiat currency for breakfast tacos. That's really the dream. Nick, do I have you? Yeah, I'm here. All right. How uh how are you doing on this wonderful Wednesday? I actually don't know if it's if it's a nice day in Michigan today. Oh no, it's it's raining. So so it's Michigan. Or it rained. It's not raining anymore. Okay. Well, like 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 the weather in Michigan, we, we are here, dear listeners, to clear the clouds and something, something analogy. Uh let's let's talk first, and this is the thing that I, I think that you and I uh, we're briefly discussing, but let's talk about the Nets, right? The New York Brooklyn Nets. God, I hate them. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> They're awful. <laughs> although, although last night, uh, last night I think Anthony Davis um, took took the crown for for uh, villain of of the playoffs, right? Yeah, I knew this was going to happen. I'm just still like stewing over not betting on the Lakers. Now that I, I knew they were going to win this game and cover, and yeah, I mean it and, was always uh, and now and now the series price for the Lakers is through the roof, and and I I just wanted to do it just to fade the the Chris Paul injury optimism. That's always that's yeah. always a suckers suckers well, play. Oh, I mean. Uh... Chris, he couldn't, Chris he couldn't even play. dribble. What? He couldn't even dribble last night. No, no. And also, Chris Paul in the playoffs is, is always a good thing to fade because his teams overperform in the regular season. So it's not, I, I, like, I'm, I'm actually opposed to the, the idea that Chris Paul isn't clutch. I think that he's just this, a psychopath who gets his teams to way overperform in the regular season. And then when you get to the playoffs, um, they're, like, they're not actually two-seed worthy. Well, like he, just has, he has nothing left. He always gets hurt. I think it, it, that would be part of your theory, too, is that if he's playing, if he's overextending yeah, I mean, himself in the regular season, which I guess he kind of is with all those clutch uh, performances. <laughs> but, I mean, he's, he's, he's a great regular season player, but I think that he doesn't understand that, like, it's totally okay to, uh, you know, just, like, 
go to Miami for two months. It's fine. LeBron does it every other year. LeBron's doing it now in the playoffs. He's letting <laughs> Davis. It's <laughs> like LeBron's you know what? Doing very much. The first, the first round is beneath me. <laughs> um, but the the reason we were talking about that because this this podcast uh, can only veer into other sports for so long before we get like an electric shock um, is because of the the roster construction of Tampa Bay. Um, and you brought up that it's a little bit like Kevin Durant's New Jersey Nets, and I'm going to call them the new the New Jersey Nets uh, because. I think it's much funnier to be disrespectful. <laughs> I agree. Um, but yeah, my thing is just like, remember when every Durant, like before he signed with the Nets, but he tipped his hand that he was going to New York and it was, it was somewhere in New York and every, everybody latched onto the Knicks because I guess his agent is a Knicks fan or something, but he was obviously never going there, you know, in hindsight, but um uh, the reason that he went to the Nets over the Nick over the Knicks was that the Nets had already set out um, a plan and followed through with. It. They already had um, proven with their front office that they could like do things like acquire players, and they were like a you know a real kind of front office. And right. Tampa Bay kind of did the same thing before uh, before they got uh, Tom Brady they just didn't have a quarterback. They had Jameis Winston. And are you telling me, are you telling me Jameis Winston is not an NFL quarterback, Nick? Uh, He's not as good as Tom Brady. That's what I'm telling you. (laughs) I I feel like our, our uh, 17 listeners in new Orleans are going to be very, very upset with this outcome then. Well, I mean, still in new Orleans. Huh? I think, yeah, he is. He's going to be in the hunt with, uh, with Taysom Hill battling it out. Do it. Do it. Taysom Hill era. Do it. <laughs> oh, man, I want that so bad. But but yeah, so like we, we're talking about roster construction and how much like a like a front, like a capable, competent front office is worth to a player who actually does care about winning. But it was huge because it takes it takes both uh, to actually be great. It takes it takes a great player because once you get the great player, then the the other side of this this coin is that y- your roster construction is now heavily influenced by this player and other players wanting to play with them. So you get Tom Brady, oh here comes Rob Gronkowski out of retirement, fresh you know fresh, and and then he takes off the first half of the season basically, and he really only plays uh, the second half in the playoffs. It was it was perfect, and and, and here comes Antonio Brown after Arians. Uh, the Tampa Bay coach right. had already said he didn't want any part of Antonio Brown. Well, your boss is Tom Brady now. And, <laughs> and, and that was a huge thing too, because Bruce Arians, uh, you know, the, the last time he had a, a great run, like you mentioned last week, you love Cam Newton. NFL fans uh, also love Cam Newton for stomping out <laughs> that Arizona team in the NFC title game <laughs> a few years ago. It was one of the biggest beatdowns. Um, and and Arians, uh, you could even see in the playoffs needed Tom Brady to bail them out uh, a couple times in the first in the first few rounds um, because the, uh, of his conservative play calling. Um, you know, just handing the ball off to Leonard Fournette, who uh, you know was another guy Tom Brady brought in 
you know, Tom Brady became the coach and the GM of this team. And, yeah. and, and in the similar way that Durant, you know, brought in James Harden, wanted to play with Durant after, uh, after he went to the Nets. Right. And, and the, the irony being, of course, that, that Kevin Durant learned this sort of roster construction from Draymond Green, who did it with Kevin Durant. Yeah, exactly. The uh, the texting, the tampering, uh, <laughs> roster construction. Right. Um, so so it's it it sort of goes back to that whole point about like how do you get to the point where your team can be, you know, useful or a challenger? And with with Tampa Bay, you know, they went from being a, you know, for for I think like fifteen years they were just a travesty, like post John Gruden, Tony Dungy era. And pre Tom Brady showing up, I mean, I never thought about the Tampa Bay Bucks as like a, a thing. Um, but crazy, I guess within yeah, the, cra- the crazy thing about it too is that they've had the same GM for a long time, and he like nailed the last three drafts. Jason Light, their general manager, um, mm-hmm. they already had you know some good players sitting around uh, like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin from previous drafts, but. The last three drafts, uh, Vita Vea, Ronald Jones, uh, Carlton Davis, Devin White, Sean Murphy Bunting, and then Tristan Wirfs, and obviously Antoine Winfield Jr. last year. Mm-hmm. Um, the finishing touches on just a, a loaded roster. It was no surprise that they won the Super Bowl. The other thing, after they brought in Antonio Brown and Gronkowski, they had by they had the best receivers in the league. That's why they won the Super Bowl. And this, right. Well, um, Kansas City's defense took away Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They didn't do anything in the Super Bowl. Um, it was all about Brady getting rid of the ball a lot quicker than Mahomes. It was a joke. Mahomes, Mahomes had no time because their offensive yeah. line was just terrible. Um, but no, uh, like. Yeah, I mean, you, you the, the thing is, is that, like, I, I don't care what defense you have or what, what kind of scheme you're running. You're not going to be able to, to take away four, four good to great wide receivers or, or pass catchers on any given play. You just can't do it. And like we, like we were mentioning last week with Kansas City taking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who was a non-factor in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. um, the Chiefs' third wide receiver in the Super Bowl, Sammy Watkins barely played. He played five snaps in the second half. The Chiefs' third wide receiver in the Super Bowl was Byron Pringle. Which, like, you have to think, like, okay, you look at at those late first round or, or second round wide receivers from last year, and, like, maybe one of those would have been useful. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but sort of, like, talking about roster construction and the way that you build a team, obviously you and I are are both – in some way associated with the Detroit lions. And, and they had, I don't know if it was the biggest trade of the off season, but certainly, certainly in our corner of Twitter seemed to be the biggest trade of the off season with the, the Stafford golf switcheroo. Um, oh, it'll, it's the biggest trade unless Rogers gets traded. Uh, I'm, I'm certain that Aaron Rodgers, who at, at last, at last uh, check was in Hawaii at the moment. Um, is is happy with with the with the Packers? That was all smokescreen, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I love NFL media so much. Um, but yeah, so so like 
what what do you think about that sort of with the benefit of, of a couple months of, of sort of hindsight, you know, d- does that trade make a little more sense in, in light of roster construction and what everybody's trying to do? For what the for what the Lions are trying to do or for for the from the Rams? I mean, I <laughs> the NFL like the NFL is about power. It's it, that's the other thing about about it's similar to Tampa getting Tom Brady. You don't get Tom Brady if you're you know, the NFL equivalent of the Knicks, you know, to go back to the Durant analogy where it's like, you're just kind of, you're just kind of fumbling around like the, like, remember uh, the other team he wanted to go to uh, allegedly Tom Brady was deciding between the chargers and the Buccaneers. That's kind of similar to the, (laughs) (laughs) the, the Knicks and the, and the Nets, because it's like the chargers. It's like, why would he, it's not like he goes to the chargers and automatically, you know, there was a, there was a path. I mean, I think he wanted like the NFC was the right conference. Yeah. And that turned out to be the right division too, because the other loaded team had Drew Brees, who's been washed for three years. So. I feel, I feel like you just upset a lot of people by mentioning that, that completely factual statement. I mean, look, Drew Brees is is a hall of famer. I think he's, you know, probably, I don't want to get into the rankings right now, but probably a top, 10 quarterback of all time top five um but dude can't throw the ball more than 20 yards yeah like i go back and forth like his numbers are amazing obviously it's he got the most out of his talent yeah um but like steve young is way more talented (laughs) yeah (laughs) although although like drew Brees, i don't know if you remember this because we were like nine eight or nine years old um drew Brees ended the saban era in michigan oh yeah he michigan ended State. LSU. yeah i do remember that like like just completely completely ended the, the the saban michigan state era by by like running sail routes like just like hitting deep outs over and over again like it was a friday night lights joke <laughs> it's like saban saban in 1999 could not figure out how to to get those safeties or corners to play like cloud coverage i don't know if it existed at the time but um i think he had like 800 yards on on uh inside receiver outs um so that's that's my my forever forever memory of drew Brees. despite the super bowls despite the everything else it was that nick saban looked at at five foot eleven drew Brees and was like how do i stop this Um, so it's in terms of like, sort of like the roster construction of the the Rams. I mean, we've talked a little bit about how the lions are a year away from tearing of of, a a year away from rebuilding. So like, it doesn't make sense to take a quarterback this year. They're going to take one next year or two years from now, but what about the Rams? Like, what do you think about, like, can they do something with Matt Stafford or is that just like shuffling deck chairs? No, it's, um, this is like the ultimate, does team context matter um, like litmus test for Matthew Stafford? Like it's, it's up to him to go out there and, and, you know, win like 11 games and like, you know, be in the NFC title game next year. If, if, if the Rams aren't at least doing that, then I would say um, it, maybe in, in the first two seasons, maybe not right away. Um but 
I would th then you could say that this trade is a failure for them. Well, I mean, they, they gave up a lot. They gave up a lot to get him. Well, that's that's um, the thing that I'm saying about about the power in the NFL is that if the Rams are good, then those are going to be late first round picks, and it's not going to really matter that much to them because they already have a good roster. Um, but if Stafford in the NFL, you have to get better every year. Um, and defenses, usually the top defense in the league doesn't repeat. Usually they regress a little bit. The year before, the Rams were the best defense last year, but the year before was the Bears, and the Bears were like a middle-of-the-pack defense this year. So do you, th I mean, do you think that, that there's an element of randomness, or is it just like because of the massive Oh, yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's an element of variance in football, but then at the same time, it's, it's really rare that you have um, – a guy like Jalen Ramsey, the best cornerback in the league, and Aaron Donald, the best defensive player on, in the league, on the same team. So maybe yeah. there's only a certain amount they can <laughs> they can really regress. And then you have, um, like I don't think these are the best weapons in offensive line. Maybe that Stafford has played has played with, but it's good. It's good enough. And and I think. Cam Akers is a really good running back. I think the Rams have a better running game than he's ever played with before. Yeah. Um, I think the Rams' schedule is a little bit harder than the 49ers' schedule, but I think Stafford will be better than whoever the Niners have at quarterback. Uh, I believe the Trey Lance era starts today. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I mean Trey Lance, I, th I still think Matthew Stafford can – Famous last words that Matthew Stafford's better than Trey for the next year. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but I guess like like you look at sort of who the Rams, who he's going to be throwing to there. Um, you know, it's like Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, uh, noted anti-Semite Deshaun Jackson, uh, who's still. Did he not meet with uh, the Holocaust survivors yet? Uh, I, you know, I think I think we're still waiting on that one. Is he, the, is he invited? <laughs> did Julian Edelman invite him to the Myers Leonard cookout? Uh, you know, I, I I wonder if they like get together and then um, like Deshaun Jackson and Myers Leonard have this moment where it's like, no, 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 we both hate each other, but also both hate the Jews. Weird, weird how that works <laughs> out. Because like, look, I don't know that Myers Leonard has said the N word multiple times, but Myers and Leonard has definitely said the N word multiple times. <laughs> Like I, I'm, I'm pretty Oh yeah, uh, no, no, no! Come on. <laughs> um, Those were the clips that didn't even go viral. Nobody even cared. Like, it, it was just like, well, yes, Myers Leonard, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think that, like, you know, in terms of 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 how you build a, a an offense with a quarterback who's under sort of large contracts, because you know we've talked extensively about, you know you know if you have a rookie quarterback who can carry your team like you're golden you know the the contracts and and cap work out but you know it's sort of a question like can you run a team with Jared Goff at quarterback and the answer is probably no and how do you do it with Tom Brady or Matt Stafford you know with Brady there's there's a lot of you know bringing in people on on cheaper contracts but with Stafford it's like okay like if you give Matthew Stafford adequate receivers and an elite defense, you know, can he actually get you there? Um, and I guess that's the question for, you know, for, for Matt Stafford's career, like it, were, were those 5,000 yard passing seasons, empty calories because you're, you know, you're playing from 10 down in the fourth quarter over and over again. 
or is this something that you 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 know is this actually an elite you know quote elite NFL quarterback the one I like to um, compare it to also is Kirk Cousins like people were were adamant like when Cousins was on Washington like he's not going to be worth the money he's never going to win a playoff game this is a stupid deal for Minnesota and it's not like Minnesota won the Super Bowl or anything um but he's won uh at least one playoff game for them he beat the on the road yeah i mean um, I... so i i mean like and and Stafford's never won a playoff game i think he he can win a playoff game with the Rams i think they will this year so and then, and the same thing with Carson Wentz. Like Carson Wentz, um, like I think, I think the 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 way I'm reading the Eagles situation is that Doug Peterson was a terrible coach, um, despite winning the Super Bowl a few years ago. He lost all of... his, he he lost all of his assistants, and then it seemed like he didn't he didn't have any moves, and uh, um, you know, Wentz is going to be reunited with. Uh, it's a way better situation and you have to look at the replacement value here. Like Stafford is replacing Jared Goff. Carson Wentz is replacing um, Philip Rivers who just retired and had zero rushing yards on the whole season. Carson Wentz isn't, you know, Michael Vick or something, but he, he's going to rush for 20 or 30 yards, uh, you know, a game sometimes. And he's going to, he's going to get some, uh, some first downs just cause he can, he's not a statue out there. Uh, I, you know, you mentioned that, that Philip Rivers didn't have any rushing yards this year. I don't think, uh, Philip Rivers has had a rushing total, uh, output exceed the amount of children he has since like his second year in the league. Yeah, no, he doesn't run much, but that's, that's the thing is that Stafford of the old guard, you know, of quarterbacks, Stafford is the youngest. So this is still the beginning of, you know, later Stafford here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so I he, guess so he was the guy who adapted. He used to never run and now he runs a little bit. He can run. He's quick now. He can he can pick up some first downs occasionally. And that's all you really need out of a quarterback yeah. like like Stafford or Wentz. Just like if but like if you, it's read any story, you read any story about Sean McVay and Jared Goff, Sean McVay was losing his mind. He was so frustrated with Jared Goff in the last year. Yeah, well, the, the the whole the whole McVay system was was based on a quarterback who who could hit those you know who could who could make plays off of the running game and off of play action, and when Goff couldn't make those plays and couldn't create anything, you know, I, it was always sort of doomed to fail. Whereas, you know, Matt Stafford, I, I think at least throughout throughout my knowledge of him, you know, he was always seen as a creative type, like someone who could create a little bit out of nothing. Or at least out of you know, create something out of something. Well, yeah, they love he loves that about him, McVeigh. But the other thing is that they basically had to eliminate the deep passing game because of Goff, Goff's limitations. And you saw how much McVeigh was like all hot to play Steve uh, <laughs> Walford in the playoffs. <laughs> and then uh, he gets hurt on the first play, and Goff wins the game just because. Seattle just uh you know lost the game basically that's my other theory and this is uh this is straight from Booger McFarland games in the NFL are are lost more than they are won 
it sounds yeah. it sounds very stupid and obvious but it is so true sometimes it's just like there was no way seattle seattle's getting out of their way that day so yeah um, and there's there's something to be said for for you know that sort of old school big 10 the team that makes fewer mistakes wins but usually the team that makes fewer mistakes wins like it's it's not a truism it's just true well, not even that. Like, I'm not even talking about that because that's more like the Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll has this thing where he's like, um, he's got the least amount of losses by 10, 10 or more or something. It's like, oh, cool. That, that's not that interesting. <laughs> <laughs> or games where they either like, during his time there, where they either won or lost by 10 or less. Like his record right, like he, like we were he so keeps close, it close. Guys. <laughs> well that everybody knows that that's the purpose of, of football is to just keep it as close as possible <laughs> um all right nick I, I i really appreciate it and uh we will uh we'll talk to you in two weeks i i want to get your take actually so so let's let's sort of like preview this for the folks at home but i want to get your take about sort of what there is to be what there is to be seen at this point in the summer um you know from media reports from from like training camp news because we you know there's always the joke about the best shape of his life and he's any gained weight is good is muscle any lost weight is fat so from your sort of experience like what you think we can glean from these sort of awful nothing ota reports well i mean have you seen the you've we all saw the of uh travis Etienne that wide receiver just to stick with the jaguars theme on the podcast um it's it's also a rule I mean, going forward that we must always. You, you talk didn't about see him. <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't see him drop that pass from Lawrence. It's over Don't. for him in the Percy Harvin role. He can't. He's not going to be able to do it. He dropped a pass on on a Twitter five second video. <laughs> it's and 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 that's why we love NFL media. Anyways, all right, Nick. Thanks so much. All right, thanks. Special thanks to our guests, uh, Nick Schlain and Greg Saradarian. Um, you can find us on Twitter at TLS underscore N underscore TDS. Um, we will probably have an Instagram at some point. We don't currently, but we will eventually. Um, special thanks to our sponsors for the evening, Anchor, and also the Smith Workforce Management Group, which you can find at smithworkforce.com. Uh, we will have, in our next episode that will drop on Monday, we will have a review of the Switzerland game. That will be happening this weekend. The U.S. men's national team playing that friendly in Switzerland, um, as well as our Philadelphia correspondent, uh, Tim Gaffney, will be back on the pod to discuss all the joy that is, I assume, the 76ers. So once again, thank you so much to all of our listeners. Please like, subscribe, give us good reviews on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Sports Social Podcast Network.